Well, good afternoon, friends. I hope everybody is doing well today. Um, it's good to, to be with you. I'm running a little bit later today, and it's been kind of a crazy Monday. But here we are at our expand video podcast. Um, this will be recorded and uh, we will post it on my website, jonesyuk.com, as well as on my anchor page. And um, um, not sure what just happened. But anyway, excited to be with you and, and uh, looking forward to jumping into our conversation today. So um, we will be talking about um, uh, the, the lectionary passage from yesterday, uh, John 15, 26 through 27, part of it, and then Acts 2, 1 through 21. And I shared this with our church yesterday. It's kind of interesting. I uh, you know, got into our sermon yesterday and um, did something that I'd never do. I totally jettisoned the manuscript that I had and uh, just talked through some some different thoughts around the, the passage and just gave a sermon without notes and uh, without the manuscript and, and um, was well received. But uh, it was an interesting time, an interesting uh, um, moment to, to be in that um, space and kind of go, you know, I think I'm led to, to share something else. It's happened to me before, mainly when I was in youth ministry, but not so much in sermons. Um, I usually like to have a manuscript because it kind of keeps me rooted and uh, it keeps the time um, to a place where <laughs> I don't go over overboard. But anyway, it was really good and um, learned a lot yesterday. So one of the things before I, I jump into it, I share the story at a previous uh, church where I served as a pastor um, um, is that, um, well, anyway, at a previous church, um, sorry, as I'm doing this, I need to turn off my notifications because they keep on popping up. Anyway, um, at a previous church, I had a, a guy, a friend of mine, but uh, was really uh, an older gentleman that uh, was really um, upset in one of our um, church leadership meetings and um, talking to me about my job <laughs> and uh, said, basically, your job, and said this very emphatically, your job, your only job is to give me the Holy Spirit. That's your only job as a pastor. Now, granted, he was going through a lot of stuff, and you know, we talked it through, and it turned out all right. But my first reaction was to kind of snicker because I'm like, "Really? It's my only job is to give you the Holy Spirit? Is that really my job to give you the Holy Spirit? No, no. The Holy Spirit goes where it's going to go, and um, and and you already have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually lives in, around, and and everywhere. And so, if you have access to it, the question is, are you going to be able to open your eyes and ears to to hear and see? Uh, the Holy Spirit's movement in your life. So, anyway, interesting conversation. Um, but um, um, one of the things that, as we share this morning, the uh, uh, passage is about an advocate that we have an advocate, and that's that's good uh, news for us. And in the coming of the Holy Spirit. So here we go, John fifteen twenty six through twenty seven. When the Advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify on my behalf. You are also to testify because 
you have been with me from the beginning. And then Acts 2, 1 through 21 says this. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Wherever you're at, whenever you're listening to this, just kind of sit back, relax, and just hear these words again. Every Pentecost Sunday, um, we share this passage um, on every, but most. So anyway, here you go. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Don't know what that means. Five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun, the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, Acts 2, 1 through 21, the story of Pentecost, the birth of the church, the emergence of the church. And you know, I was sharing yesterday, it's like maybe with cicadas coming in the 17-year brood X. And it is an amazing sound. Um, every morning when I go out to run, and even right now, you can just hear the cicadas humming. But they're emerging, and, and, and the church is constantly emerging and being birthed and rebirthed. But this is considered the birth, uh, birthday of the church, I guess, or the birth moment. Now, one of the things, the past few weeks um, in church, we've been talking about uh, Jesus' words in chapters, uh, in John chapters 14 through 17, the farewell discourse, words that he shared with his disciples right before he used to be crucified, the night before. And this amazing prayer dialogue and, uh, and the communion and everything else. Jesus had been preparing his disciples for what was about to come. He didn't exactly know. The disciples didn't exactly know, but he wanted to prepare them. Now, he did not have certainty. He didn't know the outcome of the next day or the next season. Sound familiar? Even in the season of coming out of the pandemic, we still want certainty, but yet, we don't really know what's going to happen next. And if anything in this past year has taught us, the past few years, really, 
is that uh, things are, are, are being revealed and shown. And like I've said before, we live in apocalyptic times. Not the end of the world, but the ending of certain things, uh, revealing and unveiling, and, and things are exposed, and so they change. And uh, how do we embrace change and go along with it? Good words. Uh, good thoughts. To, to, uh, not good thought. Well, they can be good. Helpful. Growth of things. How do we embrace the changes around us? Um, doing a lot of reading right now in my doctoral class on technical changes and adaptive changes, something I've been familiar with for the last decade or so, really, in terms of my leadership. Like there are technical changes you can make and there are adaptive changes you can make. And adaptive changes are sometimes harder. I have to, actually, oftentimes, harder. you have to think differently. Things have to be revealed and you have to change course, change direction. And that's hard for us at times to to really embrace but here we are jesus is simply encouraging the disciples letting them know that even when things get bad seemingly out of control they won't be alone they have an identity they're not going to be orphaned which is an interesting word and in fact jesus is saying that not only will they have not not only will they have an identity but they are still in relationship with a god who's all around them and even in them now if we've ever lost someone we know that even after they're gone, that it often feels like they're still with us. Maybe even more so. You know, I feel like I'm still close to my uh, grandfather uh, who had a huge impact on my life. My friend, uh, Robbie Waddles, who died uh, in his 40s unexpectedly under uh, different circumstances. But I still feel like they're here closer to them in different ways. My dad, who's died in a car accident a few years ago. You know, having said that, um, there's a closeness even in their death. And yet, it's even more so with Jesus. Now, I've never met Jesus, although I've met Jesus, you know, but it's like one of those weird things. 2,000 years ago, yeah, I still feel connected to this Jesus, and I feel like I've walked with him, and he's walked with me. It's a weird deal. And I do believe that somehow that this embodied, there's this Jesus that's embodied somewhere, resurrected with scars, and that we're connected through the power of the universal presence of Christ and the power of God's spirit. And so, and I see that, and I see that this Jesus, this historical Jesus is connected uh, to us and fills the space between us through the presence of Christ. Teilhard de Chardin is one of my favorite authors and writers, a Catholic priest um, back in the mid 20th century. But he calls this the cosmic Christ. There's a cosmic Christ and the historical Christ that, that Jesus not only lived and walked the earth, but is with us through the presence of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' surname. As I've said before, um, it's simply a, 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 a denotation of, of the Christ presence of the Messiah, of, of, of this Jesus being the Christ, and therefore uh, transcends time and space in the sense of the Christ presence. And that he is with us everywhere, with everyone and everything right now. Colossians 3.11, again, I think I say this every week, but Christ is all in all. There is a presence, a sense of God's love all around us. And I pray personally for God's awareness or for awareness of God's presence. I believe the greatest gift and struggle that we have as Jesus followers, as humans, 
is the work of becoming self, others, and God aware, of being connected to ourselves, knowing all that we are, our messiness and our shadow sides, as well as our good stuff and embracing that. And also with others and doing the same and with a divine flow of God, pushing us deeper into relationships with one another and with ourselves. The disciples like us were in a liminal space, a threshold out of their control, and they were being pushed deeper into presence with themselves, others, and God. A sense of this, this time, this liminal threshold, this apocalyptic time that they were living in where things were being revealed and unearthed and they were having to live into it with a sense of uncertainty. And yet there was presence with them, the advocate, the spirit of God, and it was being released on them. During the pandemic, we've been listening and receiving God's love through others and deep within ourselves, often through Zoom or Facebook Live um, or through distance, physical distancing and all these other things. But really, we've been doing that, um, trying to, at least even before the pandemic hit, trying to, to decrease the isolation that we live in. But as we've gone through this season of, of isolation, of not being able to be connected as we've been in the past, many folks within our congregation the comment of how our faith has come even more alive even, even as we struggle we've taken some risk relationally we've connected with ourselves and others as our lives have been disrupted and much like the disciples we were afraid to leave our houses for health reasons <laughs> it's interesting is it isn't that we've not been able to do so much but now with vaccines rolling out with all that we've gotten to get through this we're able to do a little bit more hopefully even more in the next few weeks the other night our church even hosted their their dinner club something they used to do every tuesday night and now they're doing it once a month actually they're, they're now moving it twice a month and you know I, I went for a bit and it was so good to see others and most of these folks are vaccinated if not all of them and so it was really just a, an encouraging time and to see our holy hookers um that's actually our knitting club and these are wonderful women, and they're all vaccinated, and they have been back meeting um, here in the church. So good. It's good to be coming back into this, and, and even asking ourselves during this time where we're coming out of some of the worst parts of the, the pandemic, how have we changed? How do we adapt? How do we grow? What, what is the spirit leading us to in this moment? And we can say with growing confidence that we recognize that that uh, the master gardener, that this God, through God's action, is cultivating a deeper growth within us and around us. We have a display out here in the hallway. It's God's body, and uh, that's what it's called. And in that, um, we are asked, how have we experienced God during the pandemic? And it's interesting to see. I strongly believe that God, that, that we and all of humanity is being shaped and formed by God's movement, that God is with all of us in a very intimate way. God is closer in the air we breathe, and yet we don't often recognize God, or sometimes we even deny that God could even exist. The idea of a loving God can scare us. Love transforms, it changes us. Relationships happen. Love is the fuel for, the relationships, for these relationships to flourish, the juice, if you will, that burns within us and draws us out towards accepting others and ourselves in community. You know, everybody at our church, not everybody, most people wore red yesterday. Red is the color of Pentecost. And red is sometimes used to, to define the Holy Spirit and, and because it's the color of flames and the flame that descended upon the disciples at that time. It's a symbol 
and the Holy Spirit is the fire is used to describe the, how the Holy Spirit moves and works at times. And the fire draws us in, warms us, calls us there on a cold night. It also burn us. It's an interesting thing because fire purifies and moves things away. And sometimes it can be painful and hard. And yet we're left with something that's much more pure. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It prunes and, and burns things away. It causes us to think about what's really important in our lives. Even, though, even as it's drawing us towards it. This concept of being in a relationship with God and with others starts with an understanding of God's very nature, which is communal relationship. You can go through all sorts of head knowledge about God, but if we go deep within ourselves, whether we are extroverts or introverts, we are wired for relationship. Science affirms this concept that the very root of how we are formed with atoms, protons, neutrons, quarks, etc., there's an understanding that energy is created for atoms to form through attraction, through relationships. And sometimes it's chaotic, but then it comes together. Our understanding of God is three in one, as Trinity gives witness to relationships. God as parent, son, Holy Spirit are so close that they are one. The outcome of their energy together is creating, weaving, or creating, saving, and sustaining relationship based on love. It's not static, it's dynamic. And that dynamic energy of three in one God, God demonstrated by the outpouring of God's energy, God's spirit on the disciples, gave them courage to face the unknown of going outside of their comfort into a world that they literally did not understand. They walked into a Jerusalem filled with folks from all over that had different customs, different ethnicities, and different languages. The Spirit of God often is called the advocate, and God's presence literally is advocating for us and is with us and carried the disciples that day and us today. The early disciples knew that they were connected to God, one another, and wanted to share the connection with the world. And in so doing, they gave birth to a new movement, a new understanding, a new realization, if you will, that we are all one humanity, God's children, that our diversity is beautiful, keeps us curious, and we can be united and connected in that diversity. Fire, used to describe the Holy Spirit. And that flame, once kindled, proliferated wildly and spread. Could this season of pandemic be another time of revelation, a realization? that releases the power of God's love in new and creative ways. As I said earlier, it's an apocalyptic time, as we've shared and continue to share, a time of revealing and covering, not the end of the world, but indicating that the world is changing. We have to find ways to embrace and adapt to the world, to the changes around us. As we allow God's love to pour into us and through us to others, we begin to understand that we're connected to an expansive and wild God. We begin to see faith as not about certainty or having things figured out, but understanding that living in mystery and curiosity, living in willingness to let go of our control, our vision, and letting God expand our horizons with others, knowing that we are locally rooted in community and globally connected in Christ. As we let that reality seep in, we begin to experience a deepening of ourselves, a joy in things unseen but lived out. God's spirit, our advocate, is moving us out. No, not necessarily out in large crowds just yet. But maybe outside, who knows? It's still a bit fuzzy. But we have been moved out of ourselves and finding creative ways that God's Spirit has been at work in and around us during the season. And we are adapting, embracing this new reality, not certain of where it will lead, but trusting that God's Spirit will energize us, that God's Son will be our friend, and that God's relational flow will continue to give birth to new possibilities. Now, friends, as you take walks through your neighborhood, and I hope you do, 
as you see your neighbors, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to the breweries or wherever you're going. And where they're out on a run. And you see others, you know that you're connected to them. And you see nature, that you know you're connected to it. Christ is all and in all. So as we continue to gather in person, either outside or in sanctuaries, online, in parking lots and parks, wherever, on Zoom or on Facebook Live, as we serve our neighbors, read, journal, and contemplate on God's movement in our lives, may we see God in us and in others. And may we find our being in God. This being will move us in ways we don't always expect. And look at the early disciples. What a mess they were. And yet the Spirit moved them. That's described in Acts. They experienced the advocate, the Spirit. It's like a flame that's burning, uncontrollable. Yet it somehow warms us, moves us, shapes us. And the world has changed. Our world, our small circles, and those small circles proliferate and cause other things to, to change. Maybe so. All right, friends. I hope this was helpful. I hope this was a good conversation. Let me know your comments and thoughts. I know I'm really tired this afternoon. But anyway, here you go. Much love. Bye now.